0: Today, we've got a very special guest here in Jupiter. It is Dr. Ken Gray, who is a doctor of oriental medicine. He is also an expert in acupuncture and is on staff down at Jupiter Medical Center and also has his own private practice. He's also the host of the long time running Maximum Health radio show, which I appeared on recently, which is how we connected. And it's a real pleasure to have you on the Patterson podcast. Welcome, Dr. Gray. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Mr. Patterson. Good to see you again. Yes. Uh, You look so happy and healthy, and that's wonderful to know.
0: Thank you. Yes, certainly something that we both share is an interest in health. And it's funny to actually think that it's sort of a niche to be interested in health. You would think that everyone would be interested in it, but we all get so caught up in our in our careers and our other interests in life that we seem to get distracted. How did you become so... I was
1: going to say, I think it just, it got to the point where we just had no other choice now. You know, uh, for a long time, we just, we could, we were, we inherited genes of healthy people. Right, <laughs> that, right. That, you know, live off the land and have clean air. And now we have to choose our milk and our meats and <laughs> our fruit. It's crazy. You can't just go buy anything.
0: Well, that's right. We have to be very careful. A lot of pitfalls these days. In fact, I would think that, you know, your average person following a typical Western American diet is going to end up having problems. I mean, have you seen throughout your career so far any shift just in that short period of time uh, with regards to worsening health? Or have you witnessed any trends that are alarming with regards to human health?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. I think one of the most interesting aspects of what I get to do is acupuncture. For most part, most people or holistic medicine, as I like to practice, which is encompassing and utilizing all of uh, most of ancient therapies. So acupuncture being one, uh, herbal heat therapy, herbs, uh, homeopathy, which is not so ancient but still older than some of the more conventional uh, pharmaceuticals per se. I think food therapy all of these things under holistic medicine is not the first choice for most people here in the united states and and definitely not in florida which is considered you know uh sort of a big pharma state i mean it's it's where people like that quick you know fix they like the pill they like the surgery like anything that's going to keep them going and unfortunately that quickness whether it's been in food through microwaves or you know processed foods and cans and frozen foods that's put us into the state of health that we are today along with other choices that we could have uh, probably, you know, we could have chosen better, right? And so now my long story short is that I'm not the first choice. People like me are not the first choice for the majority. Mm-hmm. A doctor will refer to me when they have no other options. A patient or a family member may refer when they have no other options. So that group is growing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm having more and more people where they're searching me out for the, as soon as they get a sore throat, as soon as they get a tummy ache or a headache, I'm um, their first call. But it's it's changing now. We're seeing these changes and that growth in that area of medicine expand now. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with people like yourself, you know, spreading the word, making improvements to their own lives. And then when you make a change to your life, that that is is obviously mm-hmm. tremendous. And for the positive, people are going to start to listen because people want to know how people succeed, not how they fail.
0: Right, right. right. Exactly. Exactly. Now you work alongside other medical professionals who practice more of a, a, uh, what we would say, like Western approach with medicine, pharmaceuticals, surgeries, and so on. Do you sometimes find that there is a conflict in approach between what you would like to see done and what is done, and if so, how do you balance that? And, um, and are you finding that it's becoming more synergistic?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Balance is key. Balance of approach, balance of communication, balance of treatment. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's been one of kindness and compassion, uh, being a teacher, being informative. Uh, you can't push things on anyone and you shouldn't push things on anyone. And, and what's happening now with the explosion of information is that people can choose their paths from an educated standpoint. Mm-hmm. So it comes to me, I do try to communicate with their physicians, I do try to meet with physicians of all kinds and, and when given the opportunity. And so that brings an added benefit to my patients so they don't feel like they have to choose. So I truly run an integrative practice, whereas if I, feel that they need a different therapy than what I can offer, whether it's conventional, western, or what have you, I will include that in their treatment plan and ask them to pursue it, and, and do so by explaining to them why and how, what are the benefits, and, and and you know what are their options. Now, I hope that there's a growth of that from the other
0: end. Yeah, yeah.
1: Find more MDs, Practicing whether it's in the area of orthopedics or cardiology, neurology—I mean, theologists—yeah, yeah, on right, <laughs> they will start to educate themselves in the application of someone like myself working in conjunction with their patients. Not whether or not it dismisses their methods, but that it mm. will increase the well-being of their patients. That's really what it comes down to: is are we going to put patients beyond ourselves and our limited scope to give them the best of what's available? And that's I approach things.
0: I saw an example on YouTube just before we spoke here, uh, as I was going through multiple bunch of videos uh, that feature yourself, uh, one where a woman had been through quite a significant surgical procedure and you had administered acupuncture to that patient both before and I believe after. And, um, and her experience was quite amazing. Can you give us an example of uh, that I just described of how the acupuncture approach was so helpful for her in that not in in a in a situation where she wasn't able to use the conventional pain relief,
1: right? So so that was interesting because she had a family member that was also on staff at Jupiter Medical. She was not the first time that I w- this patient was not the first time that I was included in a surgical procedure pre, uh, during, and post op. And so what made this so special on top of anything was that this patient had horrible past results when it came to uh, anesthesia and pain meds so for her it was a search to find integrative measures for this surgery which was a double mastectomy with reconstruction the doctor that was doing this or doctors because one doctor was going to do the the mastectomy and then another doctor the plastic surgeon comes in and does the reconstruction. The The beauty of these two individuals was that they had admired me. I've treated either family members of theirs and several patients, either in this capacity or otherwise. So this particular patient was able to smoothly transition through my treatment to the day of surgery where I show up. I did the acupuncture right in the pre-op uh, room, helped her naturally to de-stress help to lower stress, not only for the anxiety levels, but because when you lower cortisol levels, the the likelihood of having increased pain also diminishes quite a bit. Uh, I mean, uh, the likelihood of having increased pain, right? You get less pain with less cortisol levels, so that's right. inflammation, mm-hmm. better. So, So that being said, when I went into the operating room, I also did acupuncture. I taped down the needles, and you can find this on YouTube, my channel there, Earth School, look up Dr. Ken Gray, what have you. And it was a great piece by ABC News, because what they showed was, it it was not in the way of the surgery. It was not anything that caused anyone stress, whether it was the nurses or the doctors. And what that did was keep the body processing energy and blood flow, and keep the stress levels down in the body during this traumatic experience, which, People don't think of surgery as trauma, but it is trauma. It's controlled trauma, trauma happening, mm-hmm. whether you're with it or not. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then post-op, I was able to help her in recovery and minimize pain. So the pain, the acupuncture for pain treatment was instrumental in the fact that she never had to use pain meds. So it, whatever minuscule amount was used uh, post uh, during the surgery, once it wore off, she was purely on at my, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. for the acupuncture and um I, and i treated her at home i went and visited her a few times a week and she was up and moving uh, you know very quickly her recovery time was cut probably uh, more than half and that's a testimony that was shared by the doctors which again is abc news really you can look it up on youtube and i'll search dr ken and i think we need to see more of that Because this woman is now still cancer-free. She's alive and well. Uh, She had a positive experience, and not everyone can say that.
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: Positive experience, able to eat and be nourished without nausea, without extreme pain um, and discomfort. Those are things we all should hope for if, and God forbid, we have to have these procedures performed.
0: What is it about the acupuncture, given that we are, as an audience on this podcast, pretty... uh, fresh to that concept. We haven't had a guest on to talk about this in the past, but what is it about that process that helped her with the pain reduction? And then can you extrapolate that and say how it can help people who have pain in their joints, which is our audience?
1: So pain reduction through acupuncture is the first application that found its way to America in the the early seventies. Once the doors of China were open to more trade and more, you know, communication, And uh, I think really the first thing that the scientists and doctors could agree on here was once you put this little needle into the body, it doesn't really matter if it's an acupuncture point, although it does help if it's an acupuncture point, there's a release of endorphins, Mm feel-good hormones. Mm -hmm. Body realizes that there's a little uh, injury to the body, there's an inflammatory response, and there's a release of feel-good hormones naturally from the body.
0: Sorry, because I've had acupuncture before and I didn't feel good when it went straight in because you get that very, very slight amount of, oops, something there. Are you meant to actually feel the endorphins or is it at a level that's undetectable?
1: You know, I would say the immediate feeling for most is not there because you're, if you're for the first time having acupuncture or, or your practitioner is obviously a little bit, um, not too accommodating to the atmosphere right. Of, right. Of, of, of kind treatments you know everyone's different yeah. for me i i create a spa setting it's very calm it's very you know uh, nurturing so healing starts from the moment you walk in the door mm-hmm. now that being said the feeling comes once everything settles
0: right so right. yeah 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 gotcha
1: the needles are in they start to feel pretty relaxed and yep. some and sleep and some will be snoring by the time I come back oh God,
0: is that right <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah that that's the reality of that so stress reduction anxiety reduction all of those things are fairly cross the board accepted you yep. know and then and within the community the medical community yep and secondly they they expanded into uh, detox because again reducing stress reducing cravings whether it's drugs and alcohol, that's another thing that's medically, scientifically accepted. Mm-hmm. So pain reduction comes from this you know, relaxation, release of endorphins. Now, other than that, all pain and disease is related to the blockage of energy and blood flow. That's the number one rule that we learn when we start our education process. It's thousands of years old, every Eastern culture believes that in some way, shape, or form, There is an energetic component to human beings that has to be uh, affected in order to produce healing and reduce pain.
0: Okay. And so the acupuncture process of applying those needles into those particular places helps to free up energy and also assist in blood flow freedom as well, correct?
1: Correctly. Because when you think of a cut, which is the simplest form of injury we can Yep. really wrap our minds around, obviously expand after that. But that's a blockage of blood moving from point A to point B. Right. So the language of the body to tell you that that system is compromised, or that aspect of your system is compromised, is pain. If we didn't have pain, we probably wouldn't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Very if true. it was good, we'd probably do more of it. <laughs> right, sure. simple, Yeah. effective. So that's our language. We know through pain that we have to restore communication of nutrients, of nerve, which is electrical impulse, and furthermore, of energy or qi, which is life force.
0: Right, okay. But
1: all of those components are communicating and traveling properly. We're in balance, yin and yang, qi is flowing, blood is flowing, and we're healthy and strong.
0: And so by applying the pin to that spot, there is a a safe level of small amount of perceived injury by the body that sends energy to that area, a healing energy and nurturing energy that frees up blockage and gets that area functioning the way it should. Is that layman's terms that, of what's going a on?
1: That's simple way to start. That's, <laughs> the that's the beginning.
0: Cool, cool, cool.
1: You learn more of the system, you learn more protocols, you learn extensive through extensive training and experience, which could take a lifetime, combinations mm. you know, of placement of these acupuncture points organ and there's internal med- There's a whole internal medicine component which is dealing with the root of the system deeper the surface pain is really just a branch yep. so when you're looking at an area that's blocked you also have to look at the root system and see if there's any damage or imbalance there so over time we develop those and block those blockages and imbalances as well and so each organ has a system related component liver inflammation and that leads us to the talk of arthritis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rheumatoid arthritis for us is two main organs, lung and liver. Mm-hmm.
0: Fascinating. Well, please, you've got the platform. I'd love to hear more on, on so this.
1: Lung and liver, you know, liver is the general of the body. It's meant to keep the free flow of blood and energy moving. When we have a diagnosis, which is very, um, probably one of the most popular diagnosis in our society, in our country, is liver cheese stagnation by the traditional Chinese medicine doctor. Why? Because we're the society of unanswered will. We most of the time want what we can't have. Right. <laughs> so unanswered will produces stress. hmm So this whole movement of meditation, mindful meditation and being um, present is part of the healing process of bringing us more to a conscious present term and stress reduction. Yeah. Right. Acupuncture is part of that. It has been for many years because the the idea that we have liver chi stagnation or the general of the body sits on the right here. That's why I'm pointing to it. Is meant to keep all. Of, if that organ is stagnated, then the whole system of the body is stagnated. And if we know anything about a machine, when you stagnate a process, it overheats. Overheating can be manifesting in all sorts of ways. But where it's gonna manifest mostly is it's gonna be in its joints, in the hubs, where energy can get caught and blocked. Mm-hmm. We know these hubs because the ones that overheat are gonna be our joints. That's the main hubs of our body. Hips, knees, elbows, fingers, toes, spine. Yep. When they overheat, they swell just as any machine would happen. You would have heat, blockage, pressure, swelling, inflammation, that's one aspect of rheumatoid arthritis. Mm -hmm. So we have to treat the liver Mm -hmm. to get that. And, And with a testament to you, there's ways of treating it beyond acupuncture that has to do with your daily process of what do you put in to feed the liver? Do you feed it inflammatory foods, foods that's going to tax that aspect of your machine? Or are you going to feed it things that's going to enrich it and help that aspect of your machine work more efficiently with less stress, thereby rippling the effect of a balanced aspect of the machine to the rest of the Mm -hmm. machine? of body?
0: Yeah, just to work further into the metaphor, I think that if we consider the liver to be overheated, and what do you do if you've got an overheated machine? Well, first of all, you, you slow it down a little bit or you take some pressure off. If the, if the flywheel's spinning at you know 50,000 revs per minute, then you, you slow it down a little bit. And we know that if you simply take your foot off the accelerator with the, with the food consumption and you just stop eating for a day or two, virtually all the pain disappears in a rheumatoid arthritic body. And so that's the equivalent of, of uh, you know, just letting it cool. It certainly has the exact result that we're after. Of course, then we heat it back up again by eating all the incorrect foods. So tell us, you mentioned liver and you mentioned the lungs.
1: Yep. So then the lung component, it, that's the root, and the branch of the lungs is the skin. So the opening of the lungs is the skin. It controls the opening and closing of pores. Mm-hmm condition of the lungs. Now we see this relationship very clearly when you see a chronic smoker. If they have smoked for a long time and the lungs are dry, the skin's going to be dry. If the lungs are really filled with a lot of toxins, the skin is going to be not only dry but discolored and so forth and so on. So the lungs and the skin are very much connected. Now rheumatoid arthritis, RUMA for breath, you know, gives us that connection to the lung connection, and then arthritis for inflammation. Anything with IS we say is inflammation. So we know there's a lung-liver connection because now it's not just the joints and deep, but it manifests to touching the skin, the surface. And you have, even Mm -hmm. to the point where you have not only redness around the joint system, but even the skin to touch, the swelling of the actual skin, the dermis is is affected.
0: yeah, and quite often you'll see people with rheumatoid arthritis develop the psoriasis patches as well, and then you've got a diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis, which I just consider just to be two conditions or two manifestations of
1: same same root.
0: Same thing. Same thing.
1: And psoriasis is now heat, so that's red. Yeah, you have something called dampness or phlegm, which is when things are not moving, but when a river is flowing free and clear, you don't have gook Mm -hmm. you don't have gloppy areas you Mm -hmm. have happy fish life is flowing. grass is green everything is nourished same with the body when you have blockages you have gloppy areas things start to pool you have areas of pain and sometimes that pain can move so you may not only stop at the joints but then you have moving pain up the legs in the arms and then they'll diagnose you with something else called fibromyalgia. But that's only because the root system is so compromised, now it's expanding to other organs like the spleen, which is in charge of the muscle health. So that's the root system of the branch, the muscles, and digestion, and the gut. Absolutely. The spleen is the stove to the pot of soup, which is the stomach. So, and it's right across and very much connected physically to the liver. So usually after a while, you will get some involvement. And then as you know, the gut being the center for inflammation as conventional medicine is now accepting. That's kind of a broad stroke. And then they say, just take probiotics. or something. But it's more comprehensive. Like, you know, it's not just taking things. It's also eliminating certain things. It's also bringing a balance to your life and what you expose yourself to. And like I always say to my patients, food is not only what you put in your mouth, it's every thing that you feed your body what you look at what you listen to
0: right yeah it's a good insight yeah absolutely and basically uh every thought you have is is in some way some kind of food for your body isn't it right yeah Every uh, everything you see, I like that. Yeah, it's so true. We we're we're just sponges for our environment, aren't we? And and the the consumption of food is just an extreme version of that consumption. But the subtle ones picking up on negative energy from other people and and so forth. I think that's a really that's a great insight. Mm.
1: Saying without a balanced mind, you can have you kind of have a balanced uh, you know digestion. Yeah, if your mind all over the place, and you're shoving food. You're going to have indigestion. And so we have a society that lives off of. All sorts of uh, reflux medications and things mm. destroying our guts, mm. just because we want to keep stress eating, foods that are not uh, helpful, mm. and we want to mask the acid—the acid that's being an indicator for us that we need to change our consumption, not only of what we're putting in, but what we're allowing to stress our lives and to destroy our joy and our peace you know, make better choices because without quality living, it's really not much for life at all. <laughs>
0: exactly. So what's your favorite patient? If you someone walks in and says, uh, Dr. Gray, I'm here because of X, Y, Z, what do you just sort of like, just like, you know, do this with? and you say, oh, this is going to be fun because you know that you're going to be able to turn them around.
1: That's easy. A patient that comes in with gratitude already in their heart. They may be suffering, but they're still grateful for every day. When someone's grateful, you can work with that. The complaining patients are probably going to complain no matter what happens. And the patients that are in honest pain and just don't know better, that's fine. I'll take them. That's not, you know, they can be changed. But I feel like the patients that are complainers in life that feel like everything is a tragedy the, the weather, whether or not they did well at golf or tennis or, you know, uh, their cars in the shop, everything's a tragedy. <laughs> they're always gonna be unhappy and they're always gonna be unhealthy. But the patients with gratitude, you know, and I shouldn't say always, I think that was a poor, you know, I don't wanna take away hope for people like that because I was once a person like that. But it takes a lot to change. And I have a, I, I, I have a life of healing, which is mutual. So because I'm hands on, I'm not, it's not just going out, it's also coming back right Mm -hmm. so but i can say that my favorite patient which is the the answer is is the one that presents with the spirit of gratitude they're just grateful for everything and you just know that their healing is going to be a much quicker process and a much more joyful and comprehensive process much more enjoyable
0: yeah as you said from both sides having being also in a position where i work with people in our support platform also on a coaching basis uh you know you know that um when people show up and they're, uh, they've just got this sort of glint in their eye, like, this is gonna work and, and this is exciting. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And
1: it's not always, it's not always immediate. It's not like they're just gonna come in and <laughs> <No>. oh, <it's laughs> talk about that they're seeing. Yeah. I mean, that's not the impression I'm trying to get. But once you sit down with them and given their time and, and, and you help them understand that you are connecting with their, um, them as a person, yeah, and they take that and they say, no matter what, I've got someone in front of me that cares. Yeah, and they have this sense of thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can be thank you for your time, thank you for your trust. Let's go forward together and do our best together. Mm-hmm. And they're going to listen to you. They're going to go out and get the right foods and the right supplements. They're going to, you know, they're not going to say it's your work. You fix me. That's rarely the situation of gratitude or a person with gratitude.
0: Yeah. Well, let's think of it the opposite then. If we look at the other extreme, what do you think is the most counterproductive trait, emotional trait to have in terms of being able to heal?
1: Oh, um, I think just being self-absorbed. I think if you become your pain or your disease and you Mm -hmm. call it or mine and you possess it, Yeah. ready, creating a bad situation. So I try to inform patients when they say, my this, my that, yeah. like it's not yours. It's just a series of imbalances over time that we need to rectify over time. Mm. So I try to get them out of that place of claiming their disease yeah. and starting to speak more positively because so words and thoughts become things, really. You know so it's essential to change one's mental their consciousness in order to accept the healing because you can fix them I've seen patients that they have frozen shoulder and then you get the motion back but they still insist that there's something still wrong because uh-huh. they're not accepting the healing mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, they have become their healing they become whatever they happened over time and they were in that space for so long with their family their friends their co-workers that they don't know how to bring themselves out of that disease and they've identified themselves as part of that disease so let's say becoming self-absorbed is all of ours we all have to work at that constantly because we can become whatever is you know is keeping us down but once we say okay what can i do today outside of myself to help, to improve, to so forth and so on. I think we open up doors that will allow for healing on many levels, not just physically. So just keep moving. We spoke about exercise, for instance.
0: Yeah, moving. yeah, you know, yeah, we did.
1: Uh, we don't like to do things that make us uncomfortable sometimes, but sometimes the things that make us uncomfortable, or may not bring us immediate joy, but may bring other people joy, or, I mean, you know, these are all things outside of ourselves,
0: yeah.
1: are not always easy. But I feel that like those are the things sometimes we need to do to, you know, push forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Uh, just going back a second before we talk about exercise, the the self-absorbed, I think, is, is a really good thing that we all need to uh, be mindful of. And the... Ownership of the disease is something that that I never did myself when it came to my condition of rheumatoid arthritis. I always spoke of it as, as as something that I was working on, of of a a problem that I was trying to fix. It was never it never had any kind of personification. It was just a thing that I wanted to get rid of, and it wasn't part of me. And I could never identify my life and it. It was a separate part of me that I just wanted to extract. I just wanted out. That's how I, I thought about it. And I think that that's a great reminder about the words. This isn't, uh, you know, my disease, my this. No, it's the way you described it. And it's something that uh, I often say, it's a project I'm working on. It's not even something that we should be trying to be too emotional about. It's just it's, a, it's something that we're logically and non emotionally, systematically working towards eradicating. That's how I like to think about this. So I got a physics background. So.
1: It was a challenge that if you met and improved your life. You never saw it as this is my life. It was just right. a challenge. That's it showed up yeah. to make you better. I and mean, you saw your weight over it. Uh, but yeah, I think if the opposite would have been, oh, woe is me. Yeah. What happen to me?
0: Oh, and they exist.
1: What but, did I do for this to happen to me? You know, and your girlfriend, who is now your wife, with well, a left. That's it. That's it. You never that's had you never would have the audience that you have. Life mm-hmm. bloomed into this gorgeous, beautiful flower because inside of you stayed this beautiful one. You know. And so, yeah, we have to stay diligent. No matter what comes, oh, that's not a wall, that's a step. You know, oh. I just need to step higher. Mm-hmm. We all have them. We all have the challenges. It's, it's part of the journey, which makes us so special. But healing comes, you know, the opportunity for healing comes in so many ways. For you as, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, and for a lot of patients watching this, obviously, it was rheumatoid arthritis.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: or is and and every day a little bit of chipping away can happen yeah at yourself at your at the ownership of that uh, uh, of what it is i know people that may have some indications of it and they just get thrown this diagnosis and sometimes you go to them well just because you have some of the you know you don't really have that or you don't you don't want it you know you don't have to claim it yeah right just have a little joint pain and maybe your levels and your blood and so forth and so on, but you don't have to act like that person <laughs> right? Just stick with it and shut down the rest of your life. And- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's right. That's right. No, I, I, uh, I totally can relate to, to witnessing that. So as we, uh, as we come towards a close, uh, we let's, let's talk briefly about exercise, but then if there's also uh, a personal story that you'd like to, to share that, uh, would be nice too. I'll I'll think of the right question while we just take a a small piece of time to talk about exercise because my audience all exercise. Everyone knows the importance of that. But um, do you have a lot of success getting in ways of encouraging people to exercise is a good question because uh, how can you help to uh, encourage your patients to exercise? What techniques have you found that have been uh, good at getting results?
1: I mean, first of all, you know, A lot of times when you have these um, chronic diseases come across your desk, table, what have you, uh, for me, you have to develop a relationship before you start suggesting anything besides the immediate treatment that they're looking for. So I think as time goes on, you just start talking about it depending on the person and and their mindset. You really have to be connected and and conscious of, of what they're willing to accept and what they're willing to hear. And then it's just a matter of conversation, like I said and suggestions. What do you love to do? What brings you happiness? You know, maybe we can try uh, yoga. Have you tried yoga? No, I can't, you know, I can't sit still. Well, now you can, <laughs> you <know. laughs> right. Try to have a sense of humor. Try sure, yeah. Tell the teacher, look, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't care for yoga too much, but I want to try it. And yeah. I, I think I'll try 20 minutes and then I'll, if it's okay with you, I'd like to leave. You know, and if they're not interested in your parameters, then you find another studio. Sure. You know, don't just say I tried yoga and I hated it because yeah. of the person. Just There's so many studios for a reason.
0: Yeah.
1: Same with, um, you know, different forms of exercise. As long as you keep moving is the key. And so we'll go through swimming. Do you like swimming? Oh, yeah, yeah I like swimming. Yeah. You like uh, gyrotonics, which works on the core. At least you'll be working your core. If you don't want to work your legs because your knees hurt. Right. Maybe do some gyrotonics, which just works the core and so really it's just about myself trying you know i i am experienced because i as a physician have to heal myself constantly Mm -hmm. right so i think that's the other aspect too is once you've had challenges once you've come through your own challenges and journeys you have more substance to offer your patients so for me these conversations are real because i've been in you know, incapacity to a car accident, laid up in a hospital. I've had dislocated that and broke, you know I mean? like Not right. broken, thank God, but, but I've had a, a lot of injuries, right. you know? I think I drank a lot of milk as a kid. I was, I mean, I've been banged around and <laughs> they were like, I don't know how you're not broken. <laughs> but no, but I, you know, I've had injuries, I've had a lot of things go on. And so with each challenge that I came through, I can now share those experiences. And it's like, you know, a, a patient's, interested in you if you're more human talking to them yeah if you know what i mean Yeah, oh, yeah
0: yeah we've think, all had the experience with a general practitioner where you walk in and sometimes you're a few minutes into the conversation before they've looked up from their computer i mean i, I have had experiences like that
1: yeah you don't want that that's no. not gonna help you yeah, yeah. you know my patients ask me well doc you know you know i i really want a glass of wine and, <laughs> and i know to talk about wines that have less sulfates or, you know, sulfites or, you know, old world versus new world or or potato vodka versus, you know, and so I don't advocate alcohol, but the point is, is a a, a patient sometimes doesn't want to hear, no, drinking's bad, no, bread's bad, no, this is bad, that's bad. And it's like, well, what do you want me to do? It's like Johnny Carson once said, okay, if I give up sex, alcohol and drugs and of you know <laughs> <laughs> what's next suicide right, <laughs> right. but you know, we all have yeah. our things that that equals life right you know yeah like this is living yeah and you know whether it's fishing and a, and a little wine or this and that and the other thing there has to be something to like a carrot at you know yeah. to dangle to keep you going yeah. and so i i think you know in the healing process as you know, we can always have stringent, disciplinary times. You know, sometimes you've got to fast, you've got to whatever. But you also have to have the times where you can have a joke and a laugh and talk about some things and, you know, fun foods, fun activities and such. And so once you connect on all those levels, they're more likely to listen to you and you say, you know, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, I really need you to get into the yoga studio today. Yeah, You know, time. Yeah, Because you've already laughed. At them. Yeah, you still- yeah. They know yeah. you're there with
0: them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's right. I'm not chastising yeah. them. I'm not here to belittle them. I'm here to see them achieve the best life that they were meant to live. Yeah. That, to me, is true healing.
0: Beautiful. So just to wrap up then, what does the future look like for Dr. Ken Gray? Uh, how are you going to grow personally and also with your practice over the coming years?
1: Um, I think growth for me is not so much this idea of um expanding necessarily past what i'm doing as much as just more of who, how many i can reach so for that obviously i can only hands-on heal so many people in a day and you know i remember thinking oh if i could only heal eight people a day i'd be doing good and then it was 10 people and then it was like 21 people was like you know and it's not the type of healing where it's here take this pill or yeah you know just a surgery, it's hands-on, conversations, food therapy, acupuncture, aromatherapy, Twino, which is Chinese medical massage, the use of biopuncture, which is using homeopathics injected into acupuncture points, which I learned in Germany, and I'm ever learning, I'm ever expanding in that way, so that's the growth aspect. But then I was asked years ago to do the radio show, so I've got Maximum Health, and that's an yeah. NPR, and that's about quality living. And so I'd like to see that go national. Yep. I'd like to see it, because it's available on podcasts worldwide through the public radio exchange, PRX.org. But I'd like to see NPR pick it up and then it's in all markets, just as you know any other bigger yeah. show. And I'd like to do more television. Um, my YouTube channel I'm working on now to expand live streams like we did. Yeah. And um, more recordings. So. I'd like to do that i'd like to be able to reach people in a visual aspect that's positive and and, and sort of do this sort of natural reaching and healing of millions a day without losing myself or mm. my my family mm. i'm still maintaining a quality of life for myself so however that manifests i'm leaving up you know i don't have these you know, immediate pictures, I just have like, like I told you, the wows, not the wows, you know? And the wows for me will be healing many, you know, being a healing force in this world to millions every day, whether it's just sharing or allowing others who are doing great works to have a platform, creators and creation, you know, that sort of thing. But for me, I'm really happy. I can tell you that, honestly, I feel effective every day. And if I can maintain that, Then
0: we're doing good. I love that. I love that feeling. Effective every day. That's a great way for us to uh, close up and really appreciate your time. And I'm sure all those things that you just talked about are going to to happen. And you know, it seems like when you've got a plan that's going to serve a lot of people, the universe tends to step up and and help it to happen, doesn't it? So I'd like to also thank you again for having me on your Maximum Health Radio that you just mentioned uh, a few weeks ago. And to anyone who hasn't come across it yet, certainly just jump on Google. You'll be able to find that radio show and tune in each week to Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you so much for coming on this episode.
1: Subscribe to the YouTube. I'd appreciate it. The uh, YouTube. uh, Ken, D-O-C, Space Ken. And a lot of good information.
0: Awesome. And how can people reach out for you? If if they're local to the uh, area of Jupiter or Palm Beach, uh, can they come and see you via your website?
1: Yeah, dot uh, drkengray.com. That's G R E Y. So uh, easy website has phone number and such, email drken at drkengray dot com.
0: Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit Patisonprogram dot com.